One year, I kind of got an idea. You know, I want to try trap. I like to trap. I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money hand over fist trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the furball. This is Northern Michigan. This is what you do. Representing trappers in a positive light. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Purpose and Game magazine. This structure from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon's ads to information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. All right, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet because work it ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got very much the same as the you got bogged down. They started talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't know, get them better. Trying to set predator traps and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like it gets sheared. You better edit this part out. Yeah, we better. Quarantine in the fur shed. This is the Trapping Today podcast. I am your host and expert at social distancing, Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for tuning in. It's great to be here. Great to have you here. And there's a lot going on. Boy, have things changed in the last few weeks. I was just trapping in Alaska a few weeks ago, and it's uh, looking back, it's a wonder I even made it back and got to fly home without uh, before all this stuff kind of blew up and this big coronavirus took over. So um, we're going to get to our sponsors. We get a lot to talk about and uh, uh, have a Quite, quite a bit going on in the trapping industry, but just a quick little update on this whole coronavirus thing. So this is something that maybe we will be telling our grandkids about someday, and, and uh, hopefully it doesn't get any worse, but it has kind of blown up, and even since last week, um, a lot uh, that I talked about with the fur market last week, you know, we had discussed the fact that fur harvesters auction was going to continue to hold their auction uh, their their march auction here coming up on the 24th which as i record this is just a couple days away um and then sometime a few days after sometime in the middle of the week after that episode aired uh, they sent out an announcement that they had uh canceled their auction and they really had no choice but to cancel it because Canada closed the borders. The U.S. and Canada both closed their borders. And so they basically shut down most travel except for a few uh, a few exceptions. So it, it was unfortunate, but uh, basically it was kind of the last hammer to drop and for harvesters said, well, we're not going to have the auction. Now, uh, since then, we've seen another change. Uh, they were encouraged by a lot of people in the industry and of course, like I mentioned, they have the capability to do things completely online now. And they uh, decided to go ahead with an online-only auction. So this is going to be the first ever online-only auction for wild fur, and it will be uh, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I, I hope I hope it turns out well. It's you know it's going to be an opportunity for buyers to uh, to bid on fur uh, from the comfort of their own home or office and I hope that there are enough quality enough buyers and and uh, they have uh, a good understanding of the quality of the fur even remotely and uh, we'll have some competitive bidding take place and and sell some fur but we're gonna have to see so the whole thing we've been discussing about this is going to be the what sets the wild fur market well that may actually not be the case because uh, if if this turns out that you know it just is not the buying action that we had hoped for and there's not the competitive bid process like you would have in in a uh, more of a, a traditional auction then there's a lot of fur that may just not get sold. I suspect coyotes are going to sell. Most A lot of bobcats are going to sell. The rest of the stuff is just going to be kind of up in the air depending on uh, where we're at. So we'll just have to see 
who, whether or not the buyers show up, that's going to be the key. But this is going to be cool. So uh, Fur Harvesters, um, sponsor of the podcast. So thank you, Fur Harvesters. You can go to furharvesters.com, where the world comes to buy wild fur, and where the world bids online in the first online auction for wild fur. They are creative. They're trappers uh, running this auction house, and they're doing a lot of different things. They've responded incredibly well to all of the pressure and all of the crazy stuff that's gone on here uh, throughout this entire process. Just a a quick little update here. Uh, It's a press release from March 20th, FHA's current plan of action. The escalating pace of the COVID-19 virus. By the way, um, I mentioned the coronavirus. Where we're at as I record this right now, there have been approximately 300,000 cases of this worldwide and 13,000 people have died from it. In the U.S., uh, 24,000 cases and 288 have died. And uh, cities, major cities are on lockdown, a lot of them. People, there are cities in California and New York where people can only uh, go outside for uh, basically to to get food or other essential services, uh, essential things that they need, food or medication. Uh, I am, as of Monday, I will be working from home. All state employees in my state and in many other states, uh, if you're not like uh, what they call an essential employee, which is typically like uh, law enforcement or security, something that uh, things would fall apart if you you didn't show up, then uh, you're you're still going on as usual. But other employees, basically the way it shook out was, if you can perform your tasks at home, the governor has encouraged employees to work from home. And so I'm basically taking everything uh, with me that I can do at home, and I can I can do a lot of work. I'm actually more efficient at home. Uh, there are fewer distractions. So I can shut the door in my office and just uh, go to work and get a lot of stuff done. So that'll be, that'll be good. But the other cool thing is it's a chance to spend more time with the family and the kids. So, uh, you know, it's it's a kind of crazy, it's a bummer that everybody's kind of staying home. We're practicing the social distancing, so maintaining space between people. The president has declared that all gatherings, discourage any gatherings of uh, more than 10 people, and people are, are being strongly encouraged to do everything they can to prevent the spread because even if people like me and a lot of you are young and healthy we get this virus it doesn't do anything actually some young people have died from it and have had bad reactions but even if you react well to it you could be spreading it to another person like an elderly person who is very vulnerable and you could cause the death toll to go up by not um, not kind of doing your your part and just kind of being smart about this so it's crazy the stock market's crashed um, it's down like uh, close to 50 percent 40 50 percent their their oil prices have crashed everything's just kind of out of whack the government's going in and trying to do all these big bailout packages and uh, it's it's going to change things Um, it's going to change a lot of things moving forward Uh, and uh, i'm just hoping uh, as i know most of us are that this thing will will pass with minimal um, damage done to uh, the health and well-being of of uh, people throughout the world and and to our country and the entire economic structure. Basically, when everybody goes stays home, uh, the economy kind of stops in a, in a country like ours. So, um, anyway, the the bright side, uh, we we uh, we do have time to spend more, uh, do more things with family, and you know I I don't mind social distancing. I kind of like it personally. So. <laughs> I, I like uh, hanging out close to home and and uh, and maybe saving a little money and and zoom down by the river with the snowmobile and go check beaver traps and set beaver lodges and come in here in the fur shed and and uh, skin fur and and work it up and stuff. It's it's been fine. It's been fine. Um, I don't mind it a bit. And and of course get a couple chest freezers full of food. No problems there, and uh, and uh, we could we could do this for months. Personally, uh, a lot of people 
can't necessarily do that. So I feel for them. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's going on if you're listening to this months or years down the road. It's uh, it's kind of a big deal right now. So anyway, uh, the the escalating pace of the COVID-19 virus from Fur Harvesters Auctions uh, uh, press release here makes it difficult to lay out a concrete plan to prepare a live auction. As borders are closing and travel between provinces and states are beginning to tighten, our decision to momentarily postpone our fur routes is the right thing to do at this time. Our focus is now preparing our online auction scheduled to begin March 24th and close on April 2nd. The amount of interest in buyers registering is very encouraging as there is demand for many species. This auction will be our first attempt in hosting an online sale and we intend on holding to respectable levels. It is possible that we could have our next scheduled auction as posted starting May 30th through June 2nd if the virus subsides. This would depend on the success of our upcoming online auction as to how much or how little goods were sold. We have received a great deal of input and feedback from the international fur trade to hold a September auction if possible. This would have us rescheduling our fur pickup routes to run in late spring. And so that's that's kind of where we're at. That would actually be kind of cool um, for some people like us uh, beaver trappers in Maine where we have uh, we catch a lot of fur during that spring season. Could be an opportunity to send some of that beaver uh, up to FHA for, for a fall auction. That'd be cool. Um, and they say fur will continue to be received at our warehouses in Wisconsin, Winnipeg, and North Bay headquarters. As well, we advise trappers to contact their pickup agent for details on shipping and receiving fur at their locations. So uh, good to know. They're, they appear to have taken over the Wisconsin NAFA headquarters. And uh, hopefully we can talk more in the future about shipping directly to that Wisconsin uh HQ that depot because uh, it would be very beneficial for us those of us in places where we don't have a route for FHA pickup to uh, maybe have send it U.S. Postal Service to Wisconsin. In the past, you could not ship fur to FHA because you couldn't ship fur uh, across uh, the Canadian border, U.S. Canadian border. So that's the development there. Stay tuned. Um, I did log into my account earlier today. And it was all my fur was up. All the fur that I sent in and was hold, held over from the last auction was was up there. The new fur was was lauded and graded. So that was exciting to finally get a chance to see what my fur graded as and, and the lots it was in. I actually just tried to log in before the podcast and it was not working. So um, I'm sure they're updating stuff and, and things are just crazy with uh, the, these next few days trying to get all that information in but uh, if you can't if you've had issues with logging in I think just keep trying every day and uh, eventually uh, hopefully you'll you'll be able to access that I was encouraged because I haven't you know I talked about coyote trapping for the first time in many years and I hadn't handled coyote fur for a very long time and I never really did enough of it to get good at it so I was a little nervous about how well I had handled this fur also, it was caught in the the last week and a half of October, and I was a little concerned about how the fur would grade out. Um, bottom line, I had uh, zero damaged pelts in that lot of nine coyotes, so I was excited about that, no damage. And also, um, I, I had some that graded, uh, actually had one or two that graded heavy, um, uh, X, XL Select Heavy, uh, or something along those lines. Uh, so I'm really encouraged by that. The the coyotes all graded either heavy or semi-heavy, which was great. Um, the the colors were like a lot of B and C, and I I have to look back uh, in FHA's grading terminology to determine what that means. But I assume those are are off color. Uh, as typical for our eastern coyotes so they're not going to do as well but they're heavy the sizes came out pretty good and so um, hopefully you know if if you're talking a hundred dollar western coyote hopefully we're talking about a 40 plus dollar uh, eastern coyote in that lot and, and we'll just have to see how it plays out sometimes they do a little better um, the rest of the furs were as expected um, actually had a a 1x 
uh, Martin that was select and was brown, dark brown, I believe. So that was kind of cool. It, that, that'll that probably get lumped in with a lot of those Alaskan and Canadian Martin. Uh, their small Martin are like 1X, but that was the biggest Martin that I caught this year, and it was it was good. I think I actually got one other 1X, but I kept that to tan because it was, it was a little off color. But I, I when I did that Martin, I put it up, I thought, I want to send this to Fur Harvesters just to see if it grades uh, where I where I hope it will, and uh, and it did. So that was cool. Now let's move on to our uh, sponsors, Cots Brothers Lures, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S dot com. Cots Bros is the place to get your trapping supplies. You're getting started in trapping. You need to order traps, lures, and baits. Uh, how about some books and DVDs? They got a special deal for you. Um, if you're not on the newsletter, you get to sign up for that at cotsbros.com. And uh, they'll, from time to time, send things out um, when they have special offers. And they have a special offer I just got because I'm on the newsletter. And uh, Kyle put this out um, to give folks a little something to, to do while they're in the quarantine or social distancing, staying home from uh, work, working from home, a lot of free time at home here. And uh, he is offering 25% off of all Cots Bros books and DVDs. So go to CotsBros.com, check out the books and DVDs, and enter the code at checkout. Stay safe. That's one word, S-T-A-Y-S-A-F-E, for 25% off. Books and DVDs, great time to get caught up on trapping information. And we're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Turn your phone into a fully functioning GPS. You can do everything with this, guys. Most importantly, you can get landowner information. Know where you stand. Know whose land you're on. Know uh, the adjacent landowner, what the parcels look like. Get on that map system on your phone and look at all the aerial information. You can find travelways, fields, roads, uh, crossings, um, different uh, intersections. It's just a, a great way to scout uh, the terrain, uh, lay out your traps. You can mark your trap locations on that. You can track, run a track, and it'll track exactly where you've been. So when you want to rerun your trap line, you can go right back and see where you've been and, and rerun those routes. Um, all this stuff, I've, I have so many things to talk about these that with this product. It's about 30 bucks a year, and you can get an additional 20% off. Uh, on your first purchase by entering the promo code TRAP. Go to onxmaps.com and uh, you won't regret this. So here's a great thing. With traditional GPS, uh, you take that GPS out, you mark all your waypoints, you bring it back in, and you got it at home. What happens if you lose your GPS? You've lost your waypoints. Unless you want to plug it in and get it all fired up and get in like a Garmin, you get in base camp, and you transfer all your waypoints, and you got to save them on a, back them up on a hard drive somewhere or on your computer. On X automatically syncs online everything that you have on the app. If you want, you just um, it, it's an automatic function. You could turn it off if you want to as well, but I don't know why you would. Um, it, this thing, you go out on the trap line, you mark all your waypoints, you come back in, and it's like for me, my for you, it's gonna. Most of you probably trap within cell service. For me, I most of my trapping, I lose cell service. Um, so I'm out there trapping. Um, I'm out of cell service. I've marked a bunch of waypoints. When I come back in, as soon as I get into cell service, that automatically updates and, and backs my waypoints and tracks and everything I have on that phone into the cloud. And so you just get on onxmaps.com and you log in and all of your information is there. You can share that if you've got, you know, you got a friend that's going to run the trap line um, and they don't know where all your traps are. You can go in there and you can share your, your layers of all your waypoints. You can share tracks, everything. It's just, it's so convenient, so awesome, great technology. We got to be taking advantage of this technology and uh, it really helps out. So onxmaps.com. All right. So, in tonight's episode, let's see if I have any other news that I haven't thought about uh, with this coronavirus. Uh, Grunwald Fur and Wool is still not picking up fur. Um, there are a lot of agents who will accept fur if you go ahead and mail it out. Uh, U U.S. Postal Service, uh, UPS, and FedEx, is as I record this, are all still up and running. 
So just make sure if you ship something that the person on the other end is is indeed up and running and taking mail. So you could ship fur if you need to as well. So now that we got all the news and information out of the way, I have an episode that I recorded uh, or an interview or I don't know what you call it. Just me and Jim Furman hanging out at the Trapline Cabin in Interior, Alaska. Uh, there's an, I have this one and another one after this that we recorded. So it's just uh, partway through my Alaska trapping trip. We sat down and uh, recorded this. We talked about a number of different things, including the uh, Trading Post Trapline Chatter, eating lynx meat, uh, wolverines, populations and wolverine trapping, um, the, the part of the trapline where I picked up three lynx in an afternoon, which was awesome, uh, the characters on the last Alaskans and their proximity to where we were trapping and a few other topics we touched on. We just kind of sat down and, and talked and had a good time. It's kind of a, a chance to let you in on a little bit of, of what was going on while I was out there. And if you haven't already, please check out the YouTube series. I just finished up video number five and that is the last video. So I have five videos that I put up on YouTube uh, Trapping Today channel that document my Alaskan trapping trip. And they range between seven or eight minutes to 15 or eight, 18 minutes. Uh, just things that I, I recorded on my phone. So nothing special, but it gives you a little glimpse of the area and, and takes you along for the ride. You can also follow along on my Instagram, trappingtoday.com. And, uh, and and check out a bunch of the pictures. I've, I've been posting a bunch of pictures up. With that, we'll get into the interview. Thanks, guys. So I just put it like this, right? You're hooked in. Yes, sir. Clip it on. Look at that. Perfect. <laughs> just like the big job. Oh, it's 30 below out, but it's warm in here. So we got a lot to talk about the last couple of days. Yeah. Um probably the highlight so far for me other than the wolverine that's hanging from the ceiling here ridgepole <laughs> ridgepole wolverine that thing is amazing that just like you know all the pictures that i've seen of wolverines all of the you know videos and everything just seeing one up in person this one what was it 35 pounds or 36 pounds yeah um, it's it's monstrous. It's like a little bear. It's it's just way bigger than I had pictured, I guess, in person. So that's pretty cool. But the other cool thing was I got on Trapline Chatter last night. That's right. <laughs> you got a message. Tell people what that what Trapline Chatter is. Trapline Chatter is. A message, a program designed for you. That's what they say, right? <laughs> yeah, they had a public service. Yeah, they, uh, you, somebody that wants to get a hold of you, like say they're in town, they call KJNP Radio in North Pole, give them a message, and KJNP reads the message over the radio. Yeah, so all the, like the, it sounds like it used to be all the trappers out in the bush before they got satellite phones and in reach and everything that used to be the way to transmit yeah, messages even in villages they didn't have phones so there was i guess probably back them days there might be five to ten messages a night yeah and now there's been we've been trying to listen in when we can get uh get it tuned in and there's there were the other night there were two there was someone on the one night there was none yeah there was none and then last night mine was the only one <laughs> so the there was the chattanooga someone was on the chattanooga just outside of fairbanks you said that was yeah it's just north and then north marty Mayorado, the the mountain man himself he, he gets quite a few he must wife. not like using his sat phone <laughs> yeah, his wife called in a message for him um yeah, and then Jim went went off to town. He must have got sick of of uh, being around me. He just we needed a break. <laughs> no, nah, it wasn't that bad. I just was afraid I was going to run out of two cycle oil. So he ran he ran back to forty miles back to town and picked up a Wolverine on the way. Yeah, that was a surprise. Caught him in a snare that had a dis dispatch spring on him, and it killed him good. 
He didn't live long. We got, I think, very fortunate because uh, that was the same location where we had, on the way up, we had three links in a trap and two snares all at this one spot. And I was thinking, boy, if this wolverine had happened along that area before we had pulled those links out of the traps uh, and all the trap and snares, we would have had, we could have had no link yeah, <laughs> and no wolverine. He probably would have eaten the two snared ones for sure. Yeah, so that's uh, it's just it's funny how that happens. Good luck, bad luck, and like yesterday, I had really good luck running the line, and then really bad luck today. So, um, but you ran back to town and and uh, called in a message to the radio station. I was here trying to tune it in. It's uh, it's like a a gospel station at a North Pole, and so they do like they do some a bible reading before the trap line chatter yeah. comes on that's pretty much standard procedure it, it has been as long as i've listened to it <laughs> so so i was trying to find the station and i couldn't i was getting is was terrible reception for some reason i was outside it was about 28 below and i was trying to get the antenna moved around the antenna wire to try to get it dialed in and i couldn't and so i'm in i got it I positioned it a little bit, and I got back inside, and I, uh, what's this thing called? It's called an antenna booster. So I had the booster out, and if you position the booster a certain way, and I figured out if I put both hands on it and position it a certain way, I could dial in that station. But there was some, like, ESPN radio, and... Oh, they're uh, real close. A yeah. high school start, basketball yeah. game was on, and so they're... They're all mixed up. Exactly. Um, but I heard the guy preaching or reading from the Bible and I was like, all right, I got him. I think I got it dialed in and, and I stayed right there and, and finally it come on. Um, I actually recorded it on my phone so I could, uh, have it <laughs> listen to in the future. So that was pretty cool. Um, you should, maybe your wife could send you a message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to beg for, uh, publicity here. Send me a message, please. <laughs> it was a, kind of a neat message, too. It was, uh, it was, um, there was a, there was a bit of an inside joke to it, so that was pretty good. Um, another first, eight links meat last night and tonight. Tastes really good. I, I really like it. I, so what do you think it tastes like? I, Similar I, to it. It's a length. It's got so. flavor. Um, it's kind of a dark meat. I kind of thought it it's not it's not completely similar but I thought it tasted a little bit like lamb. Yeah. Just to have that dark similar, flavorful yeah. meat. Yeah. I know it's a cat so it's going to be different but and everybody says that you know books that I've read people talk about eating it like it's really good if you can get over the idea of eating a cat. Yeah. I didn't really care. I mean just I I just can't believe something that eats meat its whole life can taste that good. Yeah. Coyotes are and we were eating Disgusting. like the front shoulder. Yeah, and it was way more tender than I. You cooked it for a long time. Yeah. Well, that was one caught in a snare, so they die quick. And I don't eat them when they're caught in a trap normally. So you had that, you put that in a pot on the stove. Like a Dutch, little Dutch oven. Would you put some onions in it? I or? put some dried onions in there. Yeah, it boiled quite a while. But I think it would. I don't usually boil them that long or simmer them. But they get they're It's usually pretty tender. But you know, I yeah, I would not be worried now running out of meat. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I I need as long as you're catching some. If you're catching links, links once in a while. I don't think I'd want to eat the wolverine though. Ah uh, yeah. So so, let's talk more about wolverines. Yeah. Um, they're. You said there's some old timers that would just as soon never see one. Yeah, because they eat so much fur. They'd rather not have one around. But they're also like $350 a piece, right? Maybe more than that. Yeah. So a, this a, one might be worth four to 500 A blessing and a curse to these guys. Um, yeah. And you've caught quite a few of and them. And their head's worth... 40 50 bucks just the skull yeah, yeah with the meat on it so yeah um and you like it sounds like they can be over trapped 
I've read that. Yeah, I don't. Places. From what I remember, they don't have very big litters, and they may not have a litter every year. I don't know, but yeah, when a lot of when there's a lot of trapping pressure, they kind of go away. But here, there's essentially nobody. There's very few people trapping, and the numbers seem to be up this year. Yeah, they were up last last two years previous. And I also Jim caught this one downriver, between just a short ways downriver, we saw. Uh, Wolverine tracks around uh, two of our sets. Well, two of your sets that you set the up link earlier. Sets. Link sets. And uh, yesterday? No, day before yesterday. It was yesterday. When you went into, when you left for town in the morning, uh, I went down there and I set, oh, the night before I set uh, 3.30. Yeah. At the lower link set that had a Wolverine track going by. Yeah, he didn't go right to the set, huh? He was same guy though. Huh? Same, must have been. Yeah, I think I mean, so. Close enough that. So so he went. Yeah, he kind of crossed the trail before the set. So I I made a cubby with some lynx meat and a three thirty in front of it, uh, where he crossed, and then further up river there was another spot that. Uh, you had gone and checked, and, and he had been all over the set. Yeah, it looked like he might have chewed on the bait there. Never didn't sprung he? a trap. Or did he? I think he did, yeah. yeah. It had been, it had been Some chewed. reason it didn't, the trap didn't go off. And so this... That was a foothold trap. Yep. Long spring. And yesterday morning, I got that big, wide body grip. It's it's not a 330. It's a, yeah, a super wide. Yeah. <laughs> that you had made and a box for. Yeah. Is that Minnesota brand makes them? Yeah, I, I don't know what they call them, 12, 16 or something like that? So I set that right in that in that spot, and I think I, yeah, I set another foothold uh, yeah. next to. I saw him today when I went by. And so that's kind of, we're hoping that, that that guy comes back. But that's not the, those are not the only Wolverines around, because today I saw, I'll get went, into it a little river. later, but upriver I saw two separate sets of wolverine tracks that were in a long distance they had gone long distances but they were uh four or five miles five miles apart away yeah. from each other at least yeah so they were different wolverines um, and they were both fresh very fresh tracks so these guys are around um but just to give people a little update so you were a little surprised when when we when i made that wolverine set I came back up here to the cabin and went out to check a loop that we had set three days ago. Um, and you went down to town and I called you on the sat phone at seven o'clock and I had some news. Mm hmm. You surprised? <laughs> I was. You caught three link. Yeah, picked up three. And when we set some, a lot of those traps, we didn't see hardly any tracks. Exactly. Yeah, we were, we were doing these because they were. There were old trails, and most of these, tra yeah, just to to get up to speed, we've been we've spent like three four days clearing trails, probably three days, um, and these were mostly trails that you had last trapped on about four years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so they were pretty visible. You know, you could find the trail, uh, but they like two years ago, you got a bunch of snow and took down a bunch well, of two years ago yeah um i just by the time i got up here there was so much snow on the brush and the wind and no wind so you uh, it took me two hours to cut the trail out to the lake i told you that that's yeah. that's not even a mile <laughs> yeah but i had uh, i was recovering from that shoulder surgery then too so that didn't seem to slow me down, but I, w I was trapping around town, Fort Yukon, so I, there was a lot of link around that time, two years ago. And when when I initially planned to come up here, I thought, you know, this is great, you know, I'm young and energetic, and I want to get out here and do this, so I can help Jim out and, and you know, help clean trails and make it easier on him, but we, we got going, and it's like, there's not really a way for me to make it easier because you you got to know where the trail is and where it goes and uh you're you're in the lead and you end up cutting more brush than i do <laughs> so, so sometimes you're cutting trail and i'm the one setting traps and 
and uh, or I'm coming to help you by the time I get caught up. And I had that bear cat, of course, so I sometimes I couldn't keep up very well. Big, big bear cat. But uh, I but, told you when my son and I did that 20 years ago, I'd walk ahead and he'd drive the snow machine. I'd just walk and let him clear behind. I wouldn't clear unless it got really bad. Yeah, cause some spots it's kind of hard to see your old blazes, and, and yeah. you don't. We had to walk around a little bit to to make sure we were on the on the same trail. Yeah, but yeah, it's easy to get off sometimes. So we got a little base of trails to go by. I guess you know you, you got. I got to learn not to be too ambitious because you don't want to <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to cut too much trail if you're not going to be using it eh, um, in the near future. I guess. Um, well, every year when you set out at the beginning of the year, there's always something to clear out. Yeah. So I got those trails, there's four-year accumulation of that something. So it adds up. But some places you're just, especially when you go through spruce. Well, we'd run into a few that fell over. Yeah. So you got to get the chainsaw out. Yeah, we'd have been, we'd still be there if we didn't have the chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> some of those areas. I've done it with a sweet saw. It slows you down. And sometimes we didn't even have that, but not very often. So the trails that there was some of those trails there really wasn't much sign on them and it was kind of like yeah what are we doing you know and we only set uh some we only set a few sets just yeah. because there wasn't any sign and it was a little bit dis well maybe discouraging for you because you you're used to you know you have a different perspective but for me i don't i don't know any better <laughs> you know any any sign is good sign for me i was excited either way um but when when I went three days later, or two three days later, and reran those couple of trails, there was way more sign. Yeah, I think they're moving around or traveling around or now, something changed. Yeah. So I, I ran I ran a little loop where we had gone uh, two days before, and it was in between these two lakes, and there's some high ground there, and it it seems like a place you'd figured that they travel back. I know, would think they would. There's willows, rabbits, and but it, uh, yeah, it's a natural. It would be a natural funnel or travel way. Um, and so I pull up on that bank and, or come up the bank off the first lake, and just right as I flatten out, I look and there's a link there. And, <laughs> and he had been on. We'd set that one on a drag on a, a well, a, a toggle. I yeah. guess a big. Must have been like a three or four inch diameter. A log about eight feet long and uh, so he'd come off the set a little ways but and he was he cleared around in the brush there um but that was so that was pretty exciting that was like the third or fourth trap i checked yeah um, and then i came back to the loop that we did uh that we set out three days before and i ended up catching two more one was in a snare that you had set on the side of that lake that long um windy lake and then getting off that lake we got into an area that uh, w w i had thought was was martin country it looked just like classic martin country and yeah. you talked about um the old timers catching martin there before uh, and i caught we got a link there um in a, a long spring trap uh, that we set on the edge of one of those uh one of those sloughs those meadow sloughs so th that area and that and of course that area we hadn't seen very many tracks before but all of a sudden there were you know there was that one and there was one or two other sets of, of fresh tracks there so that was encouraging yeah we we haven't really talked about that martin that population well maybe we did last episode last time we recorded but th that you had said was it the 80s that you guys had caught some martin in that area? Uh, it actually started in the 70s. When we first started trapping, I caught one martin up there. And then uh, that was 72 up there. And then by 75, they were increasing. I think my brother caught 65 martin, and then they just kept increasing until mid to late 80s. Well, they tapered off, but yeah, we 
were always wanting to catch link because they were worth a lot of money, but we'd catch more Martin. <laughs> <laughs> and a few link, hardly any link. It's funny. And so now there's lots of link and, and not very, no Martin, essentially. Although I did see that track of the Martin that you set up for the other day. And uh, he was nearby, not very, not too far from your set. So I made another set in that meadow. Um, just made a, took some of that fish and wired it to a tree, and made a little pen, a little cubby with a one and a half long uh -huh. spring in front of it. We'll see. We'll see if that if we can catch that martin. But um, for the most part, they're not around here. They're up up in the hills. Yeah, in the martin country. This is such awesome country. This uh, when I heard the flats, and I. I'd, thought you know a big swampy you know low land and you can't see anything and, and oh man i'd like to go up the sheen jack where tyler and ashley are trapping and and see all these mountains and everything but there's just so much to see here it, i think this is just as cool because you get on the river and you can see forever and there's and then when you're traveling there's all these little sloughs and backwater lakes and uh you transition really quickly from willows to cottonwoods and aspen and then you get into this mature spruce and then you have all these burned over areas that are growing back into smaller spruce and it's just like there and there's there's little you know there's not big mountains but the terrain is really up and down and around um, it's not as flat as you thought it no was. not even close no it's <laughs> it's good country to travel in because you don't have a lot of steep hills you got river banks and stuff like that but yeah, the, probably the biggest challenge for us has been those steep riverbanks, just getting up some of them without having trails packed down. Yeah. But, no tra no base to the trail yet. But it's such a variety of habitat. You can see why why there's, there's critters here. Um, so, yeah, that was good. Now, that was yesterday. That was an awesome run. And then today was kind of the opposite. There was bad luck today for me. So I ran... Uh, back to an area where we I'd caught the first links that I had checked. That was Saturday, huh? Yeah, what's today? Today's Tuesday. Today's yeah, Tuesday. Saturday. So it didn't sit very long. So by my standards. And we cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm too. I'm. I'm too impatient. I gotta be checking them. Um, well, you're trained to check every 24 hours. Exactly. Right? <laughs> I'm not used That's to this. That's not this, bad sometimes, but uh, this is just I'm blown away by it. Any everybody's gonna ask, was what you expected? And I'm, it's just way better. There's just no pressure. You know, you you don't have to worry about. Okay, uh, I gotta be back in 24 hours, so I can't set over here because it's too far away. Like you can set, you can go three miles and just make one set. Because you don't have to be back there for three, four days or, you know, whatever, whenever you happen to be running that into that area. You just have so much more flexibility to to uh, set out a more extensive line. Um, so today we had we, a couple of days ago, we, yeah, this was two days, no, three days ago, I guess. Yeah, we had cut, um, instead of going around this huge bend in the river which is several miles we cut across on land on an old trail that you had we, op we opened it back up and it actually probably takes just as long or longer to go through that through the woods but you're trapping you're there's more places to set yeah, yeah instead of going up and down around the riverbank and you you're almost like several miles later you're almost back to where you started essentially if you're looking on the ground um, distance wise well, maybe so, it's two miles to through and five miles around. Sounds about right. And and so I went through there and we really didn't see much sign. I think we only made like two or three sets. Yeah, it looked pretty dead. And then when I went through today, uh, the right away I I get up get up the river bank and get up on this plateau where there's these young aspens and stuff. Um, this flat area and. I get ready to drop back down into this little slough and there's a fresh set of link tracks going across the top of the, the edge of the of that drop off. So I went and set a, a little trail snare there and then I dropped down and started going through the woods there. We get into some mature older spruce and there's a wolverine track. 
uh, fresh wolverine tracks and it looked like he had come out of of the woods and was dragging something it was almost like a bird or something it was, like, it was something like feathers just um, you could see these little lines going across the snow yeah. and he walked across the trail and then he went back into the woods a short ways and there was a spot where he dug into the ground a little bit huh. and he went back out to the trail and there was no more drag marks do you think he buried cashed it there Pro- possibly I didn't actually go in and try to might be a good place to set a trap. Well, I set a trap uh, about twenty feet from there. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, when I when I saw that, I I went to the base of a tree. It pr- might even be a place where you would had a set previously. Uh-huh. Um, and I I made a little pen. I don't think it was. We'd we'd cut the branches off of it when we were cutting trail. Yeah. So I made a little pen set there for Wolverine. Um, and then I kept going, and I saw his track again. And then I saw, an, I think I saw another link track there that hadn't been there hmm. the other day. I cut through, and then I went to the big slough that we'd been trapping. And this was, when I get out to the river, it's another, it's about five miles more to get to the slough. Driving on the river. On the river. And so this is way, you know, this is different. We're into different animals now. Right away, fresh link track. Um, the spots where we had our wolf snares... Um, there was no no wolf activity there, um, but then I get past this link track and get in a little ways where we start getting to our link sets, and all of a sudden there's another wolverine hanging around, huh? And so and he was walking down our trail and he was going side to side from one bank to the other, and this is I don't know 150 yards across the how wide probably, is that? Probably that'd be the max I think. So he's going back and forth, it's kind of zigzagging. And then he went right by one of our sets. I think it wasn't baited. I think it was just lured. Um, he went by it and kind of ignored it. And then he and, and then he went he went into the next set and he uh, he walked he walked um, he walked up to the set. And so this is the spot where I had this the three thirty set where I caught that link the other day. And I had the 330 set with meat um, uh, in a box. And then I had uh, some link meat hanging from a tree in a little pen set. And the Wolverine had come to that pen set. Somehow he pulled that link leg off of the tree, didn't fire the trap, and then he went into the box, fired the 330, did not get caught in the 330, and then walked away. <laughs> so I was kind of like, ah, oh, I don't know what, what the heck I'm gonna do here. I remade the sets. Um, I put, a, I rebated one of them, and I, I reset the 330. Um, and uh, that was, that was the end of the Wolverine. But then I saw two other, uh, I believe two other fresh sets of, of link tracks, in that slough. Um, I had a couple of them walk around snares, and then. Uh, yeah, and then I saw a, a set of, fresh set of wolf tracks on the way home. So, a whole bunch of movement and no catches this time around. So I guess that's just the way it goes when you're when you're trapping from day to day. You never know how it's gonna go. Are we clear? I better go use the. All right, Jim just went off to take a quick break. I'm gonna keep going here. Um, three other observations: the cold weather. So today. Uh, well, a couple of things. One thing I want to talk about was how awesome it was to get to. It, it, he's he kind of given me the ability to run these lines on my own, which is just amazing. Uh, it's it's uh, it's so cool to be out there. I don't know. I'm I'm just the I guess the kind of person I I love hanging around people, but I also love doing stuff alone as well. And uh, I've always thought that I could come out to a place like this and and. Uh, run a trap line and don't really need to have people around you know a lot of people need that constant communication and contact and stuff but i really like this stuff so i've i've been able the last couple of days to just kind of run these lines on my own it's been really awesome and uh, a lot of fun today was interesting because it was like 30 below this morning and i was so low and so you, you know you never know what's going to happen there's a little more 
of a, a risk of going out there. And I was wondering how I'd be able to handle the cold because I, you know, it, it gets cold in Maine, but it doesn't consistently get down to 30, 40 below. So I bundled up and I was actually hot uh, heading out in the morning. Um, I had plenty and plenty of clothes, I thought. <clears throat> and really it turned out it, it was pretty good. I had, I was, <clears throat> I was just warm enough. I, toward the end, I, I did start, you know, I had about 10 mile ride back to the cabin on on the river the the porcupines big river and the wind was blowing a little bit and it was you know the sun was shining it was actually a nice beautiful day the way that the uh, the 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 air is here when the when the weather's really cold it, it, it tends to be those clear days without uh, much cloud cover and the air is just crystal clear so you could see a long ways and and things just showed up uh, a lot more a lot crisper so that was good a lot of good good views and got to see a bunch of stuff take a bunch of really good pictures that i hadn't had a chance to to get on those cloudy days and uh yeah headed back it was a, a little chilly toward the end but it had probably warmed up to <coughs> excuse me about 20 below um and uh, and got back this afternoon so um it, it was a good check even though it didn't and catch a bunch of fur. I did bring something back with me. Um, <laughs> somehow I got some of that call lure on my clothing and uh, can't seem to get it out. So it's good lure. Uh, Keg Creek. <laughs> Algonquin. Algonquin something. Boy, that stuff is just... Stinks good. Oh my God. It's, it's uh, yeah. I can't quite smell it right now from the... My, my jacket's hanging there in the corner. I, I did have one jacket that's hanging outside right now. Um, but yeah, it's got, a, it's got a pretty distinctive smell to it. And I brought that back with me today. I must have must have rubbed some that was in a tree onto my the hood of my jacket or something. Or on my glove and got it on my hood. Uh, but it's, it's on several clothing items now. And hopefully it goes away soon. Um... Link's going around snares. What do you think? Jim's back with us. I think they've been around snares, so they avoid them. <laughs> so, yeah, they, somehow they've, they've survived and without getting caught in them. Yeah, it's funny because so, sometimes you, like, the, these snares are just out in the open and the links will just walk right through them and boom, they're caught. But then we've had lately a few instances where they've walked around them and, and I guess it's probably just late in the season the ones that are still alive have yeah they're the guys that are survivors from previous years <laughs> <laughs> so that's again the reason why you don't set all traps you don't set all snares mix it and up. then sometimes all of a sudden they'll go through and get caught i don't know you gotta keep trying yeah just keep trying to get them and wolves what do you do about wolves i'm i'm reading this this wolf trapping manual right now, getting kind of excited thinking about wolves. I, I depend a lot on snares for them, more so than traps. Well, the traps are $100 a piece, so you can't have too They're more many. than that. Are they more than that? Oh, yeah, nowadays. Um, yeah, I just never had a lot of success with traps. And if you're out on the river, they drift, drift over, and easy when you have wind, so. Yeah. I've caught a few with traps, but more in snares. So if, you know, the two places that we have snares out, if it, it so happens that there's our carcasses back there in the woods, which we think there are, or like or, a moose kill. Yeah, or nothing, that they ate it all up. Yes, yeah, well, I'm wondering what are the odds that, when would they come back? Or, well, they came back to that first one. Yeah. But they went in a different place than they did that I had snared off and that wolverine might be going back in there yep digging yeah. around but uh so do they don't have a particular uh circuit or pattern that, as far as you know five days later they usually come back or i don't they might but i don't see anything like that yeah probably depends on how the hunting is i've i've found moose kills and had them never come back you know yep. for the winter anyway me sometimes a, a lone wolf might hang around there 
But usually there's nothing left. They eat it all. Takes a hundred. And Wolverine comes and crushes the bones and gets what's... Yeah, eats some skin or whatever's <laughs> left. Or and then the ravens are around there cleaning it up. Yeah. Yeah, those two spots we set are too far back to... They're probably at least... The, the moose are probably at least four or 500 feet back in the trees. Yeah. And there's a moose I saw running around today on that slough. He's making a lot of tracks. He, as soon as he saw me, he was gone, took off. And so uh, there's still something for the wolves to come back and yeah. go after. They're after him. Yeah. If they get him, we'll have another chance to snare him. Yeah. Hopefully they don't get him. But they'll, they got to eat too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, beadwork. What's the deal with beadwork? I'm reading this. You gave me this book. You mean uh, Nate and the... Yeah. Uh, you probably know more about it than me. <laughs> reading the book. I was trying to... I'm looking at stuff to... Something to bring back for my wife for you know, just a kind of a... I don't want to say souvenir, but kind of a gift from the... That's local from this area. And the, the native Athabascans... Uh, it seems as though beadwork has been a, a pretty big part of their um, their culture. They make all this really cool stuff out of out of beads. Decorative stuff. It's uh, you describe it as embroidery, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what the book does. My wife said the same thing. Yeah, so I'm looking at this thing. It's like a, a keychain. That's this is. You said this was moose hide on the back. Yeah, and then on moose skin. Tan moose hide on the back and on the front. It's like it's just it's like embroidery, but it's all beads. And it's different colored beads, and it's it's in the shape of a, a flower. It's really neat. And this is I can't imagine how many hours of work in those all those little tiny beads that are all kind of stitched together. Um, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe people still have the patience to do that these days. A lot of people don't, <laughs> but some people. They like doing it. Now, does your wife do some of this? She, she, it's not her favorite thing to do. She used to do it, but she'd rather make hats and mittens she, and stuff. She sews fur. Yeah, and yeah. boots. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. We'll we'll finish it up tonight before we gotta listen to trapline chatter in about twenty minutes. See if there's any messages, but we better talk about the the TV stars that are up here all around us, right? Our neighbors. <laughs> Our neighbors. <laughs> so we've got uh, this, those of you who are not familiar with uh, the show, The Last Alaskans, um, that featured people in the trapping in and around the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge up here in interior Alaska. And that's where I'm at. So we have uh, upriver from us uh, the people that you might remember from the show, the Seldons, Tyler and Ashley. Um, what can we what can we talk about uh, with the Seldons? They got two children now. Two children. So yeah. There's four of them. So they had just had a baby. The show's over now. Um, I don't think it's coming back, unfortunately. It was an awesome... I thought it was a great show. A lot of people liked it. But uh, they they had one child um, during the show. And uh, sounds like they got another one now. They have now. a son now. Oh, boy. Baby. He was born last summer, I think. And they're up there, all four of them, on the trap line right now. Yep. <laughs> and way up the river is Charlie, but he's... Long ways off. So, Char yeah, Charlie Jagow, he's, if we had to go to him right now. It'd take us about two days. <laughs> We'd run out of gas. <laughs> you brought back gas, but not that much. <laughs> no, we might make it. We just wouldn't make it Charlie back. could just come see us on the plane if he wanted to. Yeah, yeah, he could if he wanted to. And you're friends with his father, Paul. Yeah, I've known him for a long time, Paul, since the 70s, 1970s. So, Paul came up here to, to trap back then? This area, he... Worked on the pipeline construction, I think, originally, and then came up here to trap. And he was from New York? or New That's York? what I remember. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere in New York. New York City, I think. <laughs> and we have... Everybody knows Haimo. Yeah. 
He's a long ways off too. I'm Corth up on the. I colony. would guess if we followed the river, man, I don't know how long it'd be to Hymos. A couple hundred miles. Can you tell us? Can you tell us any uh, non-incriminating stories about Hymo that they might not have uh, had Why? on the show? <laughs> Cut me off guard. <laughs> We'll move on and talk about Bob, uh, and you can think about that a little for a little bit. Uh, Bob Hart. So Bob passed away, dur- actually during the show, but he was a lot of people like I really enjoyed watching watching Bob. Uh, he was from New Jersey. New Jersey is what I remember. And he came out here to trap, and you you met him when he was on a gravel bar. On the river. I met him down on the Yukon, and he was looking for a place to trap, and he had a boat. And then he ended up flying out. I didn't see him for almost a year. But he flew out trapping uh, this one area, and he never went back there. Then he moved up where he was at when he died, trapped there. And he was up by, there was this old guy named Ed Owens. He wasn't far from Ed Owens' cabin. Ed Owens had died maybe 10 years, less than 10 years before Bob got there. He and he had been there for since the early 1900s. A character for sure. He he was a prospector, I guess. He was out there looking for. He was always digging holes, I guess. Yeah. Plus, he trapped. He yeah. trapped, and I guess he did some trading too. Huh. You know, trade goods. They say people used to come down to, from the coast to there. Eskimos from the coast. That had to be a long time ago, like 1920, maybe, 100 years ago. Yeah. Back around the time when the Indians and the Eskimos still were were fighting, they didn't necessarily get along until they started trading, I guess. Um, and so, what else we got? Anybody else up here? On TV? I guess that's it for the TV show. There was uh, Ray, but he oh, that's right, not on anymore. That's who. That's who I was. Thinking yeah, he of. was. Uh, on a different drainage system. Well, it actually drains into the same area, but yeah. And he was in two different places. And they went. Oh, they yeah, had a cabin, yeah. They had a place down in the Nuwetna too during the show. Yeah, during the show. Yeah. But now he uh, has his houseboat and he just parks places and lives for the winter. So I don't know where he's at now. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Yeah, could be anywhere. And there's a few people uh, that still have cabins out here that are not obviously not on the show, and they may do some. Some may do a little bit of trapping. Some some don't trap at all. Um, I guess I guess it's a little little bit of everything. Yeah, there's there's yeah a lot more trappers than they had on the show. At least twice as many. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was too mean to get on the show. They wouldn't let me on there. <laughs> Did you give Hymo a hard time about being on the show? No. Uh-uh. Did all the fame? That's not the first show he's been on. Did the fame go to his head? <laughs> well, I heard when the movie cameras come on, he comes to life. <laughs> I heard that. Yeah, but he's always pretty friendly and talkative. So. He's he's a personable he's a personable guy. You wouldn't think for someone who who. Uh, lives out there in the middle of nowhere he'd be they'd be so social but he's very social a lot of people that stay out in the woods i mean a lot of these guys i knew that were old men when i got here 50 years ago they're real talkative you know but you kind of starve for conversation if you're out in the woods a lot yep coming into town you gotta catch up yeah <laughs> there was one guy that used to trap a lot and he owned he had started he owned a store, and uh, when I met him, he was had closed his store down. But my brother and I used to visit the guy. But he trapped for years, like twenty five. He even trapped when he had a store. And uh, this other old guy I knew, he said his name was Ivor. He said, "Ivor's the only guy I know. You know, I can get my pickup and drive off, and he's still standing there talking to me." <laughs> <laughs> I know some people. If I would, if I left, they'd still be talking, but. <laughs> But but I I and my brother and I like talking and we had a lot of good hunting trapping stories. 
Sometimes you only have so much time. Yeah, yeah. But but Heimo comes in, but before and after trapping season, and and uh, comes into town and tells stories. Yeah, we visit a lot. Too much, I guess. <laughs> he doesn't. His house in town's only. I could throw a rock and hit his roof. Maybe. Well, I used to be able to throw that far. Maybe I can't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, he's not far from me. All right, we better get on, uh, get on here on the radio and try to find trapline chatter. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys later.